actually going to share this message the time that I was ill. Do you remember? I couldn't share this. But the next time I shared, the last time, I, I felt not to do that, but to keep it, to keep it on hold, as it were. And I think if you remember, I shared about confronting the darkness in Isaiah 5.20. But I, I felt to revisit this, and I've changed it slightly, as you do, because the circumstances are changing on a daily basis, aren't they, really, in the world that we live in? And uh, I just thought it would be good to revisit this. Um, so I'd like to talk about blessings and curses from Genesis 12. That's a theme scripture, but you'll see as we unfold. I have a few scriptures. They're short verses. I've put them up, and others I will, I will read as and when we get to it. So if you've got your Bibles, if you turn with me, please, to Genesis 12. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3, a short reading. Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. It says this, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You all know that scripture given to Abraham, and, uh, but it's actually quite significant in the times that we live in. And um, so what is a blessing? A blessing, a barach, a barach, and that's where we get the word baruch. You've heard that phrase, baruch habab, Hashem Adonai, and that's the blessing that we uh, pray. Where is that? It, well, a blessing reflects God's honor and God's grace towards us. It's a declaration, if you like, of trust and the hope uh, for him to reign over all our circumstances. It also speaks about his goodness and his increase. Blessings carry a broad canopy of divine expectation. The equivalent word in Greek is makarios. Makarios. You probably heard there was an archbishop in Cyprus who was called that. You know, I'm not so sure how blessed he was. <laughs> the Cypriots among us will know that. <laughs> but Makarios speak, speaks of, ble of being fortunate, uh, happy, uh, enlarged, lengthy, and highly favored. So the Greek word actually has a lot more to it, um, explaining what blessing is. But you know, God was blessing long before we came along, long before man was created, long before man came into existence. He was blessing. How do we know that? Genesis 1 makes that so clear, doesn't it? It says God blessed his creation. God blessed his creation. And he saw that it was good. It was good for man to enjoy the favor. It was good for man to reign over it because he gave us power and control and stewardship. Lordship, if you like, over his creation. He made it and he gave it to us. We haven't done a very good job of it, have we? <laughs> with all that's going on, with people in orange high-vis suits sitting in front of cars on the road because we've got this whole thing about the environment. But anyway, and it was good for man to be happy in it. That's really why he, he created and blessed it, that we might be happy in this world that he created for us. 
It's part of God's divine nature to bless. And the very creation of the world shows us that, culminating in, of course, God's greatest creation, man. Man was his greatest creation, the first Adam. He created the first Adam and the first Eve, of course, that came out of Adam. And he wanted them to be blessed and to live in this place of blessing. That was the blessing of all blessings. Remember that phrase, won't you? It was the blessing of all blessings. So what's a curse? An arur, a curse. Well, this word carries with it a sense of divinely imposed misfortune, uh, unfortunate circumstances that befalls you, resulting in the Lord directly allowing a disaster or withdrawing his mighty hand of protection and blessing from you. Thus, allowing evil from some ungodly source to bring destruction. We all know about that. When, when we say, oh, he's got a curse on him. Oh, that, that horrible thing, you know, it's, it's a curse. And that comes upon. It's not what he intended. Let's make that quite clear. It's not what God intended. He did not create man to curse him. He didn't do that. But there was no cursing in creation, only blessing. But when man disregarded God's single command not to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He just gave him one command, didn't he? He said, you can eat of all the fruit. Isn't that amazing? You, you, you can enjoy all of this blessing. But of that tree, don't do it. Don't do it. I've told you the story before, I'm sure, and I'll tell it to you again. Our little son, Tim, when he was just, oh, he could hardly talk because he couldn't. He just knew what was good and bad. and was stumbling around. And my father-in-law had a, a Greek sweet factory. Not really good for me being a diabetic. <laughs> I picked the wrong choice there, didn't I? But it was lovely. They make these wonderful sweets. The baklava and um, pastakia, um, kurabies, all the wonderful Greek sweets. I can go on. Amazing things. And uh, Tim would come in with Pete and they'd be wandering around and would say don't go near the ovens because they're really hot and you can feel the heat coming out of the ovens and they'd take out these trays of beautiful biscuits that are baked and you can feel the heat coming from the tray from a distance and Tim is quite near and he's the, the sort of the, the marble table was that high with the tray and he'd be below it because he's quite a little fella and he'd look at me I said don't touch Tim it's hot <laughs> hot and he'd look at me go <laughs> hot hot and then he would do this. He'd look at me. <laughs> Where does that come from? I said to Kathy, it's your son. Isn't it amazing when parents, they don't, they say, well, it's your son. You, you know, he did it. It's your son. But he would look at me and he put his hand and he, he was going for the biscuit, but he caught the tray and he burnt his hand. He was in howling in pain and we had to deal with it, you know. But isn't it true? We seek the, the wrong thing. God intended us to be blessed. And we go for the curse. I don't know why that is. Sin. There was no cursing in God's mind. Only blessing. He didn't intend it to happen. It wasn't his doing. We brought it upon ourselves. But God had to find a way to return the blessing back to mankind. He wasn't going to leave it there. As a father would pick up his son and rush him off quickly to 
put cream on it and whatever because you want to deal with the problem, don't you? It was my little son. He was only three, I think. And, uh, you know, you, you do. It's instinctive. And God had a plan. He wanted to return the blessing back to mankind. That wonderful messianic psalm, Psalm 69. I think it's verse 4. It says, the Lord, it says, he restored that which he took not away. He restored that which he took not away. He didn't take away the blessing. He restored the blessing. He did it by taking away the curse. We know all about that. But it was, it was through Abraham that God's rescue plan was revealed. God used a man. He uses people. He'll use you. You're part of his plan. Don't just look at Bible characters and say, oh, well, that was for Abraham, that was for Moses, that was for Elijah, that was for Caleb. It's for you. He has a very specific plan for you. But it was through Abraham that God's rescue plan was revealed. And all the families of the earth, we're told, we read that, would be what? Blessed through him. The Jewish people through Abraham's family were chosen to be the ones through whom salvation would come and they themselves would receive salvation, uh, you know, according to God's plan. That was the plan. And, and that salvation was for everyone. It's for everyone. First, we're told, for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. First for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. And to keep this line of salvation safe, God said he would bless those who blessed Abraham's line and curse those who cursed Abraham's line. Do you now see, saints, why God said that? He had to keep the line clear. Because if Abraham was cursed, and if anything happened, where would the royal line go? How would the Mashiach come? So it's far bigger than just blessing a man or blessing a nation. It was the line of his plan, his blessing, his salvation. And that's why he said, if you be blessed, those who bless you will be blessed. And those who curse you will be cursed. See, the opposite of blessing, as ind indicated in the Bible, was cursing. We've already covered that. God had saved the Hebrew people from Egypt. The Egyptians referred to them as the Habiru. The Habiru, they were the slave people. They were despised, and they were meant to live in that horrible area called Goshen. They were carted there. But it doesn't matter where you are, if you're in the will of God, and if you're in a place of blessing, you'll be kept safe. Because what happened in Goshen when all the plagues came? None of it reached there, did it? None of it reached there. He saved the Hebrew people and took them out of slavery and death. Slavery really was the curse that they brought upon themselves. Israel often disobeyed. People forget that. They think they're just grabbing this, grabbing that. and They're not. They've been punished so many times. Taken away from their land. In, into captivity. A curse upon their acts. And they were looking for freedom and life. Let me just bring something else in here. Do you remember when Tony showed us that little clip of Bibi Netanyahu um, relaying his... Um, speech to the um, UN Council that was on the 22nd of September 
22nd of September. And um, Bibi Netanyahu said this, Ladies and gentlemen, over three millennia ago, our great leader Moses addressed the people of Israel as they were about to enter the promised land. He said they would find there two mountains facing one another. Mount Gerizim, the site on which a great blessing would be proclaimed, and Mount Ebal, the site of a great curse. Moses said the people's fate will be determined by the choice they made between the blessing and the curse. The same choice has echoed down the ages, not just for the people of Israel, but for all humanity. We face such a choice today. It will determine whether we enjoy the blessings of a historic peace, of boundless prosperity and hope, or suffer the curse of a horrific war of terrorism and despair. He said that on the 22nd of September. What happened on the 7th of October? They were going for peace. The Saudi deal was virtually on the table. And they were talking with other Arab states. And Bibi Netanyahu was in a very boastful mood, wasn't he? Do you remember that clip? Oh, we can do this. We can bring the oil pipeline this way. We can go there. We can do, this. you know, Israel, they've got a lot to boast about. They've been brought into blessing. But if you just take the blessing that God has given you and exploit it, you're in trouble, aren't you? God has given it to you for a purpose. That you will be blessed. <laughs> that you will be blessed and that you will also be a blessing. And that's really where I believe, this is my own personal take, that it's not the fact that Israel's just been attacked and they've got to defend themselves. God, the sovereign God, has allowed that to happen to them. I believe to correct their ways, to bring them up sharp. They're all snuggled together now, aren't they? All those who are in the IDF and all the volunteers, all the mums and dads, the granddads, all the, the Jews from across the world have come in. The IDF is full of foreign soldiers who are Jewish. Can you see what's happened? They've come into a common cause. That also happened here during the war. When this country was in war, I was born just after that, but people were, they were going, churches, you couldn't get into church, it was so full, because people were fearful, they were praying, they can see what was happening. The threat of Hitler taking over this land was so great, and it causes people to go to church, to go on their knees. If they weren't Christians before, they soon became one. And that's what I believe is happening in Israel. That's my own personal take. You may have other views on it. I believe God has brought Israel to a place. Obviously, there's terrible things happening. Our hearts go out to all the innocent people in the Gaza Strip. Definitely. We are not pro-Israel and anti-Palestinian. Please don't ever think that. We love people. But we want God's will to be done. And God's plans and purposes to be fulfilled. But they still had that important decision to make as Israel. And that's, we see that Netanyahu clearly said that. So let me just um, read this scripture to you from Deuteronomy 30. This is really what he was trying to highlight. Bear with me. I've marked it all with little tabs so I can get to it quickly. I'm really clever here, you see. <laughs> this is what it says. 
in Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 20, if you're taking down notes, it says this. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Immediately we have the blessing-cursing situation. Life and good is blessing. Death and evil is cursing. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan, the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, and both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life. Did you get that? That's what he said to Israel. He is your life, the Lord your God. He is your life. And the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. It's, a, it's as crystal clear. It was God who gave them the land. That's why the dispute carries on, saints. It's been going on for times. They've kicked, in 70 AD, Titus kicked them all out. The Jews, that is. And we thought that was it. That's it. They're all back again. Who's doing all this? Which other nation can you tell me has been completely kicked out of the land, exiled, taken away, and have come back? There is no other nation on earth. No other, and they kept their language, they kept their customs, and they always prayed on the Shabbat, whether it was in Lithuania, whether it was in Poland, wherever. Next year, in Jerusalem. They always had the hope. Next year, in Jerusalem. Many of them went into the gas chambers and never saw Jerusalem. But next year, in Jerusalem, was the cry. God had specific curses and blessings that he wanted to present to the people. And he used the geographical background of the land. The twin mountains, Mount Gerizim, which you see on the left. Mount Ibal, which of course Bibi Netanyahu referred to. And there was Shechem, which was the valley going through the middle. That's where the priests would stand in the valley and they would shout the blessings on one side, there were some tribes gathered there on the top of that mountain, and there were some tribes gathered there on Mount Ebal, where the curses were called. And because of the middle of the valley, it sort of formed an amphitheater effect. So when they spoke, you could hear what was being said. But God was very clear. He wanted to share with his people, to tell them, to proclaim to them exactly what the curses and the blessings were. It'll take too long if I go through all the curses and the blessings. That's a study in its own right. But there were 12 curses given in uh, that particular chapter. And uh, it's interesting that the, the priest had to shout these things. 
Have you ever shouted at your children? How many of you have got children here? You probably have. Yes, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? Because we lose our patience because they don't hear. <laughs> and God wanted to make a loud proclamation to the people of Israel. And he used the priest. And they were told to shout. They were actually told to shout his, his curses and the blessings. And on, after every curse, if you read that through, the people had to say amen. They had to acknowledge that they'd heard it. You know, it's like a contract. When you sign a contract, you have to have a witness sometimes, don't you? They had to say amen at the end of it. But on the blessings, no amens, because they were given freely. If they obeyed. You see, it's conditional. And God, you know, you can't take him lightly. And I think, because Israel have really been in a place of blessing, and they quote that. We are, we've come into the land flowing with milk and honey. We're a blessed people. But you know, if you just take the blessing and forget God, you're, you're of all people most miserable. Of all people most miserable. Now Jesus himself would have been aware of the Mount Gerizim and the blessings on, uh, and the curses on Mount Ebal. He would have known about all of that. And um, he knew very well how to, to preach and to share because <laughs> he went up to the mountain many times. He was by the sea and he spoke up to the mountains. He, knew, he picked his places where he was to speak. And um, one of his most famous sermons, if you remember, the Sermon on the Mount on, in Matthew, um, I think it's Matthew 5, isn't it? Nine blessings came out of his mouth. He, he had nine blessings. He would have, blessed is he, blessed is the man, blessed, you know, the peacemakers, blessed are the me, all those things that came out. What do we do though? We hear men and women cursing. That's all we get to hear. I know they blaspheme a lot, that's taking God's name in vain. But people curse. They express their hatred. And we have seen that clearly. If you put your television sets on and you see what's happening in London, you will hear the cursing. You see what they're saying. From the river to the sea, Palestine, well, that's a curse, isn't it? Because what they're saying is there is no Israel, which God has promised to do. He, Three millennia ago, that's what Bibi Netanyahu said, that's 3,000 3, years ago. And they're talking about a 750-year history here. But I, never mind. But humans curse. And, um, but it was not so from the beginning. He wanted to bless that's God. He wanted to bless mankind to help them grow and multiply. He wanted them to learn and become the best images of himself. Because God is a blesser. He wanted humans to bless other people, to share his love. But cursing became the prevalent choice for us humans who are without God. And how often have we seen people say, I wish he gets his comeuppance. You know, you, you say, I, I, I hope he gets snared. I hope he suffers for that. You know, I hope he gets punished. And when we see terrible things you know, especially when little children are involved and adults have done terrible things, your heart just gets stirred, doesn't it? Because that's a vulnerable, innocent human being. And we are guilty of those bad feelings. But, and I would say to you, if you're wrongly accused, don't wish evil upon your enemy. Leave it to God. Take it to him in prayer. Cursings and revenge is not... Something that we do. It's not part of our Christian character. We've been born again. 
We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus who took the curse upon his body so that we don't have to curse, so that we don't become a curse. We are cleansed. You know, Israel's history has been full of cursing people, nations that hated Israel and nations that cursed Israel. You name it, they're there. There'll be so many, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Perizzites, and all the parasites. They are absolutely there to hate and curse Israel. That's what they did. And one of these people who really hated Israel were the Moabites. They hated these people. And they feared Israel because they saw these strange people coming out of Egypt and coming into this land, and they feared them. They acted out of fear. It was almost what's happening today, what they're saying today. They've just come out from nowhere and taken over. But they haven't. They came into a place that God brought them. You see? And, that's, and there was a king called Balak. You all know him. Balak, he was uh, not a good guy. And uh, he was the king of Moab. And he sent out elders and key people from his council to pay one man to prophesy. Do you know his name? I'm sure you do. Balaam. Balaam, you remember his name. He, they paid uh, you know, these men to go and seek him out. They knew that he was a prophet of God. They knew that he was a prophet of the Hebrew people. But he wasn't really a good guy because he was a traitor, really. He, he didn't do well. But when he heard from God, he had to say what God said because he had the spirit of prophecy upon him. You, God doesn't take away his gifts, does, does he? The Bible says his gifts and calling are without repentance. It's the old authorized version. It means he doesn't change. <laughs> he gives it. That's what I'm saying. You may have a gift. You may, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a good person. It's only his blessing that he gives you that. It's up to us to steward that gift, to act with it in wisdom, and to allow God to work his work through us. But Balaam is a real strange character. He... Um, was going to prophesy against Israel. And, um, let's, oh, let's move forward. Okay, this is what Balak said. He says, therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. Can you see the language? Drive them out of the land. It's the same spirit. It's exactly the same spirit that we've got today. It's a drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Where did he hear that from? Where have we heard that one before? <laughs> right back in Genesis, which I read to you. It's the same word, saints. It's the same thing. He whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. He said that to Balaam. So Balaam thought, I'll make a buck here. And uh, he was offered money to go and do this. Three times Balak took Balaam to different hills. He went to a high hill overlooking the people and it didn't work. He went to a higher hill, tried to curse them and he blessed them instead. He went to the highest hill and uh, look, look what he did. He actually came forth with an amazing prophecy. Amazing prophecy. He said, this is what Balaam said. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab. 
and shall tear down all the sons of Sheth. A star shall come forth. We saw his star. We saw his sign. He who was prophesied to be born. We saw his star. A scepter shall rise. Well, who holds a scepter except a king? Only a king holds a scepter or a queen. <laughs> He's the Melech Israel, the Melech HaOlam, the king of all the earth. He's the king. And how about this one? And she'll crush through the forehead of Moab. What happened when David was confronted with Goliath? He flung a stone, didn't he, by the power of God, and it hit Goliath right there in his forehead. And he was dead. And she'll tear down all the sons of Sheth. Sheth means turmoil. Turmoil. And the, all the sons of turmoil will be destroyed. And that was an amazing prophecy that Balaam gave about Israel. And it's true. See, God promised an anointed king, the anointed one, the Mashiach, who would redeem all mankind from the terrible decision that they made way back in the Garden of Eden. And because they chose death in the garden, they chose the curse. They now needed a savior to die for them, to return them to the image of God that they were meant to represent. Do you know, do you know that when you come into Christ, when you come in, God does something amazing. He actually returns us, and I don't mean physically, but the image of God comes out. Why? Christ in you the hope of glory. People see that. They see, hopefully they'll see the glory of God. They'll see the love of God, the aroma of Christ coming out of you. That's what he does. He gives us that wonderful transformation. And he wanted to return them back to blessing. God put a plan into action to save his people. His anointed one would come through the line of a Moabite woman. Interesting that, um, what did Balak say? Please come at once, curse these people for me. That's what he said. Come at once. He was urgent. Let's do it now. Curse them. But it was through Ruth that something amazing happened. God used, allowed the evil Moabite king, and it was a Moabite woman. Can you see how God does things? He didn't bring a Jew, did he? It was a Moabite woman. Through her, we had this amazing, she married Boaz, and you know the rest of the story, and we know the, 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 the royal line of, of Jesus. It's a wonderful story, but the women said this to Naomi. They said, blessed is Yahweh, who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life. Amazing. And that's what Naomi heard, and Ruth must have picked it up, that she would be blessed. And what did uh, Mary, when she knew that she was pregnant with Jesus, she ran to her cousin, to Elizabeth. And we know that the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumped up, and, you know, it's quite amazing. I've, again, going back to when we were young, to-be parents... Kathy would say to me, oh, look, look, it, 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 it's moving, because we didn't know what the it was, you see. It's moving, and of course I'd see these little legs going or whatever. And it's a wonderful thing for a parent. I mean, those of you who are not, I, I'm, I'm just sharing the story. But if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
And they were moving around here, there, and everywhere, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great story to see life there. But we know that John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb jumped up and probably was rejoicing. And uh, th- this is what uh, they said. She spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth said that to Mary. Can you see? It's a loud voice. It's a proclamation. Just like the, 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 the priests. It's a loud voice. God wanted it heard. And Elizabeth announced the blessing and Mary accepted the blessing. And this was a great honor to be chosen like this. But later, we know when Yeshua, when Jesus was speaking to Thomas in John 20, 25 to 28, he used that term, the blessing, the blessed ones. They were all who had not been first-hand witnesses. None of them were first-hand witnesses that Jesus was referring to or had seen Jesus. And yet they believed. Yet they believed. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed or blessed are those who have not seen. That qualifies every single one of us in this room. Saints, if, if, you've, you know, if, you've, if you've not seen Jesus, you're not behind you know, I've heard some say, oh, I wish I was born in the time of Jesus. I'd, would have, I'd love to have seen him. Well, so would we all. <laughs> but we are born in time according to his plan because the plan goes on. God wants to unveil and unroll this amazing plan for salvation, for blessing. And that's why you are so special. You're so special. You are greatly blessed. If you're a believer in Yeshua. If you're not a believer in Yeshua this evening, I don't know. I'm assuming all of you are. Well, just what happened there. Because you see me, but you don't have to see Jesus. You need to know that he died for you and shared his blood for you. And cleansed you that you might be restored and brought to a new place of salvation. And, um, oh, it's it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And let me just uh, also read this scripture from Luke. If you've got your Bibles, Luke 11. 27 to 28. Let me get my number. This is what it says. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he, that's Jesus, said more than that, Look at what he said. More than that, blessed are those who hear the word, hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What did he say to Israel? Not see God. Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel. Because the word is the thing that saves you. If you see God, I don't know what that's going to do. Many people saw God. Ten lepers were healed by God. Only one came back to give thanks. So many people saw God. I'm talking about Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is God in the flesh, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Were they that moved? Some were. Some got saved. But we don't read of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Blessed are you. He turned the spotlight 
away from himself to the obedience. And that's why, because he shed his blood and gave himself. And he was fulfilling the law of God. He was fulfilling the law of God. And what did he do? He bore the curse. He bore the curse by giving you the blessing. He bore the curse. The curse was lifted from the nation of Israel. It was lifted from you and for all who would believe. And symbolically, the crown of thorns, they should have put a crown on his head, shouldn't they? Because he was the king. But they put a crown of thorns instead. But that crown of thorns represents the curse because the land was cursed, wasn't it? And what grew in the land when Adam was tilling it? Thorns. And so he had, identifying symbolically, a crown of thorns to identify with the Son of God. Amazing story, isn't it? Why would they do that to the Son of God? Why would they do that to him? But they did. He allowed it to happen. And if only Israel believed, if only Israel believed in their Messiah and received him, what a different world we would have. We would have Jewish evangelists going around the world. We would have a world full of Jewish evangelists because they all believed in their Messiah because he came to them. He chose them. But instead, they rejected him. They rejected him. And they said, his blood be upon us and on our children. I don't think they brought a curse upon themselves, by the way. Many people say that. But that's what they said. But they reject, it was a rejection more than anything else. You see, believing Israel would immediately come into blessing and no curse would prevail against them. You know, in Ezekiel 25, 17, it speaks about the spiteful heart and the ancient hatred. That speaks about the nations who hated Israel. It was a spiteful heart and it was an ancient hatred. Can you see how this hatred goes back over the centuries? It's an ancient hatred. That's mentioned. And it's constantly upon Israel because she has not turned to God and still rests in the blessings that God has given her and turned her back on him. You know, when you plow the land, if you go to Israel, you see amazing things. They've literally turned a desert into a bountiful, fruitful place. So much so that from Israel, they export flowers to Holland. Who would know such? Yes, they do. From Israel, they export so many things. Some of the world's greatest technologies are from Israel. They are creating and inventing amazing medical um, laser scanning, all kinds of things. Time, time will not permit me to go through it. Also, their weaponry that they're um, inventing is frightening. But the, this tiny little strip of a nation... Where does that come from? Where does that brain come from? And I've said it before. When the, um, the, the Jews are making Aliyah from Eastern Europe to Israel, they had enough musicians to make 32 symphony orchestras. 32. Where have you heard of that before? <laughs> they're, so, they're full of music. They're full of creation. Not because they're special, but God has blessed them and chosen them for a task. And when you take that blessing... And turn it into your own good and boast about it, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And that's really what I believe is happening. See, no matter what hardship you may go through 
or how cursed you may, you may be in a situation and say, well, I feel really bad. I feel really cursed about, you know. You are blessed because Yeshua has saved you. He defeated death and took the curse so that you can live. He became a curse. It says that in the Bible. So that you could be blessed and be a blessing. Let me, let me read another psalm to you. Psalm 10 verse 3 to 7. This is what it says. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies... He sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. Can you see what the wicked heart says? When you say that to God and you say to everyone, you're in trouble. You really are in trouble. And I believe that's really some of the outcomes that we're uh, seeing through. See, sometimes it seems that those who defy God seem to be the ones being blessed with richness and, or riches and easy living. While we may struggle and suffer, we might say, where is my blessing? Where is our blessing, God? And, and where is their curse? Because <laughs> you promised to bless your people. You promised to bless me and to curse the wicked. See, although we know that we've been blessed with a Messiah who saves us and a God who loves us, often, it may feel as if we're struggling harder than many who do not believe. I've heard that before. That many Christians suffer more than some of the unbelievers even. And living for God can be an extra weight to bear, saints. If you truly are born again and living for Jesus, it can be a strange place. There's nowhere to lean on except on Jesus. Where else shall we go? He has the words of eternal life. And that it may come to a place that you're suffering with jeers, taunts, rejection, and for some, persecution. And the, the first letter of Peter addresses this issue. I'm nearly there. Thank you for bearing with me. You're doing pretty well. This is what it says in Peter. Beloved, do not think it strange. There we go. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Notice it's plural. It's not his suffering. It's his sufferings. All the things that happened to him, not just when he died. The jeering, the rejection, the spitting in his face, the beating up, the taunting, everything that they did to Jesus. Sufferings, plural. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Not just joy, it's exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed or blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. That exceeding joy is something that we need to work on. 
Remember joy, J-O-Y. J is for Jesus. He's first. O is for others. Bless them. And the Y is you. We come last, but we're in there as well. That's, that's the joy. Wallowing in self-pity will get us nowhere. We need to seek God to develop that relationship with him, to wrestle with him about what's going on in our lives. Don't just accept it. If things are going wrong, if there are continuing traits, patterns, habits, you need to go before the Lord and wrestle with him. When I say wrestle, you know, um, do business with him. Be on your knees and seek him. We need to get our feelings on the table. It's something that we don't do very well. <laughs> we're not very good at getting our feelings on the table. We'd much rather not talk about it because we're frightfully British. And it's frightfully inconvenient. But you have to put all that to the dogs because God sees your heart. He knows exactly how you're wired and he wants to bless you. He wants to love you and bless you and he wants you to talk to him. You need to seek the blessing he has promised. In Genesis 32, 26, Jacob came face to face with God and he said this, I will not let you go unless you give me a Porsche. Is that what he said? He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he blessed him there, right there. God blessed him. So Jacob named that place Peniel, Peniel, where God was. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. You see, even Jacob understood. You can't see God face to face and live. But there was a manifestation. I think it was Yeshua. It could have been, you know, some people say it was an angel of God. But I think if it was God, no angel can take that title. It had to be God in a manifestation, which we take to be Yeshua. Jesus in his pre, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pre-incarnate. Yes. I would look, turn to my wife when I'm in trouble here. It's very good. That's absolutely true. I will not let you go unless you bless me. When was the last time you said to go, that to God? Lord, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to get off that until I get an answer from you on this. You, you can't be demanding with him. But your heart needs to have the passion and the belief and the conviction that the God that you believe in will do that. I said to you, when I was um, thrown out of my home at the, as a teenager, I was praying for my family. And I was praying for them every day. And it took 22 years, 22, when my sister first came to faith. And then my mum came to faith. And then lastly, my dad. It's a long time, isn't it? Or uh, because you think you want a quick answer from God. It's not a quick answer. Sometimes you have to go through that problem. Go through that agony. I don't know how long God will allow you to do that, but he knows how much you can carry. Of that, I'm sure. But we do need to carry it, saints. We need to do this. We need to stand firm. We are blessed and we are meant to be a blessing to everyone who lives on the, on the planet. From the householder to the homeless... From the athletic to the arthritic. From the rich to the ruined. And you may very well be ruined in this life. You may have a ruinous background. Circumstances, life, things that you did before you came to faith even. 
You, you, you may be a ruined person. He knows exactly how to bless you. You may be a sufferer, poor, needy, a widower perhaps, an orphan, someone who's sick, a foreigner. Oh, we've got a lot of foreigners. I, I, I'm so glad because I hate to think I'm the only Englishman here. But <laughs> there's a lot of us who are foreign. We're foreigners. You may feel left out. You may feel on the sidelines. Not in God. He loves everyone. For God so loved the world. But with Yeshua, no matter where life leads you, you are rich in him and you are strong in him and you are not alone and you're not foreigners in God's family and in God's economy. You are blessed and you are to be a blessing. Final scripture. Let me just read this. It's from 1 Peter 3, 8 to 9. I said they're all short scriptures, but it's important that we get these. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one for another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Did you see that? You were called into blessing. To be a blessing. That you may inherit a blessing when Jesus comes. That's when the real blessing comes. When he comes. And that's the, the, the scripture that I will close with. And uh, what I would like to do, if it's okay with you, is to sing the ironic blessing over you. Because it is a blessing. Would you mind if I did that? You do mind. <laughs> Let's just come before the Lord in worship. This is the blessing. Oh, let me show you something. When the priests of Israel said the blessing, they did that over the people. Because that forms the letter Shin, which is a... A, a, a holy letter, if you like, or a, it's got great significance. And it was a double blessing, can you see? Just like when they broke the cholla or the bread, there were two loaves. It's a double blessing. See, the God that we know and love doesn't just bless you once, he blesses you double, twice. Twice blessed people we are. Let's just close by uh, hearing the words of the Shema, and I will read it in English as well. Let's just pray. Yevrecha Adonai Veishmerecha Yae Adonai Panavelecha Vichunecha Yisa Adonai Elecha viasem lecha The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face 
shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you shalom, his peace.